Hi, I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. This is number 86. Um, when I started doing these webinars, I had no idea that the pandemic was going to last this long or that I'd be enjoying talking to my friends so much via Zoom. Um, I've talked to people I've never known, I've made a lot of new friends, but I've also had people that I do know on the show, which is really fun because I get to find out more about their background, which I don't know. And so tonight my guest is Reese Colfer Stanfield. And we met a couple of years ago now, and I've been a guest on her show on Horse Radio News. Horse Radio News? Yeah, our network. Horse, Horse Radio Network. Why do I want to call it news? That's right. Because it is newsy. That's okay. Right? Horse Radio Network on the Dressage Hour. So this is great because now we're turning the tide and I get to ask Reese questions. So welcome, Reese. Thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. Well, thanks for having me. This is super fun. This is really fun because, um, you know, it's a kind of weird how I met you, actually. And I have to kind of go back and tell the story a little bit. Um, so I put out an email about Safari uh, to my list. And I, I'm trying to remember his name now. Is it, was it David? He, he worked for a tack shop and he knew you. And he emailed me, he's from South Africa. And I'd have to go back and look up his name. I think it was like Shepler or Sheffield or something. Anyway, he emailed me and um, we did a call. I was driving and I called him up and I'm gonna have to look up his name now because it's gonna make me crazy. But anyway, we're talking about Surefoot because he had a tack, you know, he works for a tack shop, pretty big one. And um, we were talking about Surefoot and whether or not that'd be something that worked. And he said, you know, I know someone that I need to hook you up with. I need to hook you up with Reese. And so that's what he did. He sent an email to both of us and I emailed you and said, I'm gonna be in Kentucky. Um, oh yeah, it was for the uh, Right Horse Symposium. And I was gonna be in town mm -hmm. and could I please come see you and show you Surefoot? And so yep. I, I went to the Red Horse Conference, which was kind of interesting in itself. But um, I drove out one day and I brought you a set of pads and you were so kind and it was early morning and it was so it was nice and quiet in the barn. And we uh, worked with at least three of your horses. Um, I think we did three. Yeah, yep. we did that day. Yep. And, um, <laughs> and we had you walk over the pads and we just hit it off. It was great fun. And yep. Um, that kind of started yep. the friendship. And so it's just been a pleasure to get to know you. And I yeah. really enjoy talking yeah. to you and Philip every month. That's just a blast for me. Yeah. <laughs> we have a really good time. And you're so good at it now that it's like super easy for us. You know, yeah, it's, it's great. great. It's like just talking to friends. It's really, really great. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've been doing yeah. that for at least a year, I think. Yeah, I would think so. I can't, we'd have to look back too. But yeah, yeah. it's been at least Maybe a year. Maybe Glenn will show That's up really on us and he can tell us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have to have him really on. Tell us. But, but you know what I realized, Reese, is I, I, okay, so I actually lived in Kentucky to get my master's degree in 1984. I don't mm -hmm. know how old you were then. I was four. And four. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's okay. And actually, I got there in 80, I think it was 82, and I left in 86. So I was there for four years. Um, and I had that really bad riding accident in 84. So you you were just barely on this planet. <laughs> yes. Right? And then, and then of course, so that's... I'm not, I mean, I'm not young anymore either. <laughs> hey, watch it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it. Okay, it's fine. But that was one of the things that kind of connected us is is UK is mm -hmm. Lexington because I right. live in Lexington and I actually um, 
uh, one of my professors, James Rooney, lived in Georgetown, and I used to go and, yep. and farm sit for him when he and his wife went away. Um, and that was before the, the Toyota plant was there. Yes, yes, we have a Toyota plant now. <laughs> yep, and I actually worked for a catering service when they broke ground for the Toyota plant, and the catering service side that I worked for was French, and they brought their sushi guys, and it was the most bizarre groundbreaking with the Kentuckians and the Japanese and the huge casket of sake and breaking it open. And it was, you know, this was 1986, right? This was like a yeah. long time. So I have many memories of Kentucky and Lexington in particular, but I left and you were just yeah. a little kid. And yeah, so and I grew up. <laughs> how did you get like, like, how did you get where you are now? Like, were you born into a horsey family? I would assume. Yeah, yeah I was born into a horsey family. Um, my uncle's actually still a trainer in Middleburg. He's a hunter jumper trainer. In Middleburg, uh, Virginia? Virginia? Yeah. That's an yeah. hour from me. <laughs> I know, I know. So my uncle it lives there now to this day. He does hunter jumpers and uh, he does a lot of confirmation hunters. Um, I like missed the hunter jumper gene. Like I can't jump actually. And it's not from lack of trying or good trainers. I really am not good at it. Really, really not good at it. So I've even had people like, I can teach you. I'm like, yeah, I'm unteachable, I think. And I don't like it. I was hurt as a kid and I don't like it. So my mom is a horsewoman, has been a horsewoman, but decided not to go professional. She went to nursing school and then met my dad and, and that's the story. So um, we started uh, ponies, um, kind of like everyone else. My mom really wanted to make sure I wanted to ride, but I wanted to ride from the time I was, mom said the time I could say horse, I wanted to be on a horse. So I had one of those, remember those little jumpy things Yeah. with the, with the, um, the spring metal. Yeah. I used to bounce on that. I wrote, I wore my horses out. Like literally my mom was like, I knew where you were. Cause I could hear you bouncing on the thing. So yeah. So I wore mine out. And so I didn't start riding until I was seven really riding. I mean, I actually went to the horse park to the, um, the pony oh. rides and I had, yeah, my second, third and fourth birthday, maybe fifth birthday there. Like yeah, it's funny because now when we go to the horse show, I have to walk by that little pavilion and I need to do like, kids start here. Like, <laughs> this is where my birthday party was, you know, the same little pavilions there. Yeah. Uh, so it was pretty fun. So um, yeah, I started there and then I started hunter jumpers and uh, I was really good on the flat. They were so excited. And then they got me jumping and it didn't, it was not good. Didn't go well. So I, um, I saw um, Fran Vanderheiden, and it's, her name's Fran Horn now. I saw her riding dressage at a local barn. And my mom had moved barns because it was just, you know, she had three kids and trying to organize all of us. And she had a horse at the time and um, she hadn't bought us a pony. She made me, I had to really beg for a pony. Mm -hmm. I actually never got a pony. I got a horse uh, off the track. I don't, she was trying to get rid of me, I think. <laughs> like, really did I want to ride? So, yeah, so we went to this barn. I saw my coach or my soon to be coach riding dressage and that was it. And I wanted to ride dressage ever since then. So I was oh, wow. before, yeah, before they were young riders and before any of that was around, I was nine and I was like, I want to ride dressage. And that was really not something that happened. Well, so that was early nineties, right? That would have been early nineties. Yeah. And yeah, dressage, I mean, cause, um, oh, rats, now I, the name is, who was the woman that used to hold the conferences up in, was, was it Wisconsin or Michigan? Val, uh, no. 
Sally Swift used to go down, all the people used to go, Van Shike used to go, they all used to go up. Uh, okay. Anyway. I think I went to that conference. My mom yeah, took me. Uh, it's like the, her name is like an icon and I cannot remember it right now. Um, but that's where, you know, cause dressage was really small in the United States um, for yeah, a long time. Really small then. So that's cool. So you started writing dressage before there was yep. really a lot going on. And then like right. you went, did you go to college? You went to college. Yeah, I went to college. Well, um, yes, I, I went to a lot of college, actually. So uh, funny enough, I was riding with them. Um, at the time, Conrad Schumacher was coming to the U.S., and he was the U.S. young rider coach. So every, I think it was three or four times a year, we would go to Temple Farms for three or four days. And I then got exposed to theory. I didn't know anything about theory or dressage had anything to do with theory. I just thought I rode around. And I'll never forget when Mr. Schumacher asked me how to do a proper canter transition. And I remember just being like, oh, I put my outside leg back and I do a little kick. <laughs> that was my thought, right? And he said, no. He said, no, to do a proper canter transition, think about it. There's a lot of steps to do a proper canter transition or a proper trot. And he said, no, actually, your inside leg's at the girth, your outside leg's behind the girth, your inside seat bones forward, you have weight on your inside seat bone, you have steady. And he went through the steps of a canter transition. And I thought, oh, I really don't know anything. Because <laughs> I could just feel it. I could just do it. Right. So once I started to, um, I was 14 when I first rode with Mr. Schumacher. And I told him, I said, I'm, I'm coming to Germany. And I think he was like, uh-huh, Sure. Yeah. So I graduated high school here in town. I had done young riders and I had had a schoolmaster horse who we kind of glued together. The surefoot pads would have been really helpful for yeah, him. Really. <laughs> oh, he was so good. But, uh, you know, the, the, the therapies we have now that horse could have really used. But uh, we got him through young riders. I went when I was 16 and 17. And then when I was 18, um, we ended up, I, I got on a plane after high school and I went to Germany for almost a year. And I trained with Mr. So you did like a gap year, basically. I did a gap year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which wow. I absolutely encourage people. Wow. Yeah. So, so I did a gap year. So this is really, really cool. Because you know what? I, now I'm starting to realize we have more things in common than I thought. Um, like mm -hmm. I had a horse on my first birthday cake. Uh, my, all of my birthday <laughs> parties were at the local barn with the pony lessons. I just found some photos. I bought my first horse at, uh, 15 and came home and told my mother. I just was a barn rat. Oh, I was a rat. I'm still a barn rat. I'm still yeah. a barn rat. I love it. That's I okay. have to get like, make myself come inside. Today yeah. I was like, I told my, my sweet assistant, I was like, I got to go. I got to be inside. I got to shower. I got to be ready <laughs> for human contact. <laughs> so yeah, so I spent, yeah. You went to Germany. Did you know German? I did. So, well, ish. I, I mean, I told him I wanted to go to Germany. I was 14. So I started taking German classes at my school. Wow. So I, now that's one thing yeah, I wish so, I had done at, in mm -hmm, hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up, um, at the time I, uh, I spent two years, I'm sorry. I went to Germany. I came back to the university of Kentucky and started, um, my schooling at the university. Uh, cause my parents said, you know, we can help with some cool opportunities overseas, but you need to get a scholarship and go in state. And so I started my tour at UK and, um, I started out like every, I think a lot of horse girls, I wanted to be a vet. Uh, <laughs> I really hated chemistry. Yeah. I hated chemistry. 
hated chemistry. It was literally- chemistry is just there to weed people out, right? If you can survive it. it. (laughs) Pulled me right out. And my dad is like, chemistry master. He couldn't understand. He was like, what is wrong with you? So, um, yeah. And then at the time I had a horse, um, that was getting ready for the Grand Prix. It was a horse. I I then went back to young riders with a horse that we had purchased and uh, his name was Yuri. He was my first horse I ever made to a Grand Prix horse. And he, um, he was really getting good, but I really felt like I needed to go kind of home to my German home. So I'm back home. I went back to Germany for another year. Um, almost just, just Did under you a year. Did you horse that time? I took him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got on a plane with him. Just zipped him back over, which not as, that's a whole nother webinar, but, um, yeah, yeah. I uh, got him on the plane and then, um, so we did that, which was fantastic. And, um, I came back and I trained with Kathy Conley at the time to get ready for the Pan Am games. Oh, wow. Yeah. He finished just outside that he was 13th top 12 went, I was 13th. Um, and it was at the time I was, I guess, 23, you know, I had dedicated everything to that. And, uh, that was heartbreaking a little bit, but you know, you gotta learn how to deal with that. Um, and, uh, but he was great. I mean, that horse, we put in like six of the best tests I could possibly put in or however many we needed to do. He was as good as he could be. And I learned, uh, that's all you can ask of horses. They can only do as, as good as they can possibly do. So that's what that horse did. So I don't look back at that time and think, oh no, I didn't make it. I, you know, he did his, he did our, we did our best. So, um, then my dad really like, actually he, he had said when I came back from Germany, he said, um, you have got to go to school sister. And I was like, Oh, oh, daddy's mad. (laughs) But he didn't say where I had to go to school at that particular time. (laughs) So I went to Palm Beach Community College for a semester while I was doing the Pan Am stuff. Well, that's convenient. (laughs) It was great. Actually, I am a huge fan of the community college system. I had an amazing time there. My coaches were, I mean, my teachers were so nice. And they, they, one teacher lived actually in my neighborhood. So she would come see me show. Like I look back on that time. It was great. So, so you can, anybody who's listening, like I'm a huge proponent of school. Um, and all my young riders, I'm like, you have to go to school. And now you don't like it, but you got to go. So um, then to fast forward a little bit, uh, I finished school and I got, I have a BS in uh, agriculture economics, actually. Oh. And uh, yeah. So then I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? And my mom, who's a very smart lady, I was like, there's this school called the Patterson School of Diplomacy and International Commerce. And my German was good enough at the time. My German's not great now, but um, I got into diplomacy school actually with a focus in German and wow. international commerce. This, okay, yeah. you have to tell me what that means exactly because I have never heard of that kind of a, a school. Yeah it's, yeah, it's actually one of the top three diplomatic schools, or at the time, I'm not sure now, but um, Georgetown has a, dipl- a diplomacy school. So diplomats, right? Training people that go to the State Department. Um, a lot of my colleagues went to the State Department or I had an international commerce economics um, focus because of my undergrad. So I, I went in and said, I want to train, I want to trade horses internationally and work internationally, which I do. And that was my focus. Oh, I get it. You used it to forward yeah. your horse career. Of course. Yeah, I did. I did. That's how I got it. I get it. 
good, right. good job, smart. Yeah. Well, and at the time, right, that was pretty, I graduated in 2004 and we were, you know, I'm from Kentucky. So we have horses here and horses are traded internationally here all the time. We have lots of international traffic and companies that that's all they do. So yeah, no, because I, I guess I, I have to tell you that yeah. when I was, when I was in Kentucky, I worked the Keeneland sales when the horse sold for $13 million. I was there uh, handling horses for, for one of the stables and for the 10 million and the $13 million horse. And it was, it's crazy. I don't know what, you know, I always say when you go to Kentucky, you can tell the health of the industry by whether or not the fences are painted, <laughs> you know, it's true. Money oh, it's very true. Fences oh. are painted. Um, but, yeah. painted. We have a lot of fences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of mm -hmm. miles of fences. And so it's really easy to tell, but it's also an incredibly fascinating industry. And it's, you know, this last time when I went, I realized how much uh, the Toyota plant has actually done to the area in terms of economy. But horses are, I don't know, is it number one or number two to the cars in terms of um, self number one, I think. Yeah, Still one. I think about 90,000 people work in the horse industry in, in Lexington, Lexington and surrounding counties. So right. I actually live in Scott County. Um, so it's a huge part. So yeah, so I, that started my schooling and um, actually right around the same time, I, within three weeks of each other, I'm not sure this was a smart thing, but I did my first USDF certified instructor exam. Oh, so I kind of, <laughs> yeah, I was, I don't know what. I actually think the certification exam at the time was harder than my grad school comps. I'm not going to really? lie on that. Wow. It was hard. Yeah, that's a hard exam. It's important, but it's a hard exam. So yeah, yeah I was not pleasant to be around. <laughs> right then, that time. So, so yeah. somewhere in here you got married or maybe that's a little later. I did. Yeah. At the same time, uh, what was going on? Actually, yeah, it was, it was right after I, it was, we got engaged in February and I took my comps in December. So yeah, my poor husband, he's so sweet. <laughs> we dated for seven years. So he knew, he, he knew what he was getting into. <laughs> oh, good. My you know, daddy. Really important for the guys to know exactly. And <laughs> you know, it was like, um, when I met Brad, I met him up in Michigan. He actually audited my clinic up there and um, I invited him down to Virginia in April to uh, watch a point to point race. And I was like, get my drift. I am not leaving Virginia for Michigan. There's no way, you know, and, no, it's really and it, he played polo in Michigan. And we love love it's great. Yeah, yeah. We love Michigan. Good. Hi, Michigan. But I'm, yeah, we like your yeah. winter. Your winter. No. Every time I would go, it was like our first date. I was, I went back to Michigan for a clinic in March. It was 29 degrees. And I had my little pumps and my nice little leather jacket. I was freezing my butt off. Okay. So yeah. Um, so <laughs> this is great because I'm a snowbird. So, I'm a snowbird. I can't even think of that. <laughs> yes. All right. So you got married, you got your grad degree, you did your yep. USDF all in the same mm -hmm. year and you were right yeah like and i was writing mm -hmm. so right around that time uh i we i had had some young horses so i had had a young horse um who uh passed away actually he had um he was a head shaker and he had oh. probably had some sort of allergy situation it was terrible and that was a young horse and i was like what am i gonna do and then my dear friend jennifer conauer um she had a wonderful old grand prix horse who I had at that time not ridden Grand Prix. I really wanted my gold medal and to have that experience of really riding. Because uh, Yuri, the horse I brought back from, I never actually did. I did the Pan Am selections and then he was sold. 
huh. learned that lesson. And my mom, uh-huh, my mom was really good about that. Like my mom always said, like, we can't keep horses. And um, I'm glad she did that because as a professional rider, like I can say, okay, it's time to sell them. Uh, and that's hard for riders. A super hard. But I, I sold them. I, I cannot do it. Sorry. Well, it was because my mom trained me to do it, you know, and, and Yuri was sold. He, I never rode a Grand Prix. I ended up, we had him on the market and he sold. So, so I didn't ride him Grand Prix. So I really had that burning desire to sort of start a high performance career or at least riding Grand Prix. So my friend, Jennifer Conower, um, had an old horse and he was sitting in the field and she had some things going on. So she said, here, rehab him and see what you can do. So I rehabbed him for the summer and uh, I got him ready and I, I can tell you, I got a 50, you need a 60% for your gold medal. And I had a 59.98 twice. Oh no. Oh, twice. Oh yeah. Oh, my mom. Oh, oh, I would send my mom to the scoreboard. Like, did I get it? And she's like 59.98. I was like, what? <laughs> Nobody could possible? give you one more point. What, just one? It oh, just one half a point. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so Ollie was amazing. And, um, so I ended up, I ended up getting my gold medal that summer. It took a while and I had to pay for it because I had, I was out of grad school and my parents were like, you gotta pay for this. I was out of money. My mom, my mom actually funded the last horse show. She said, <laughs> she felt so bad. She's like, I'll pay for the last horse show. It's no problem. <laughs> so my mom, very paid. unhappy person. Yes. <laughs> Oh, she just was like, I cannot believe that just happened <laughs> again. <laughs> so I finally got my gold medal. And um, then we decided we got a syndicate together and I bought Jamaica who had been, he was for sale in Holland. She was a Grand Prix horse and uh, a mare. And I put together a business plan and I said, I'm going to breed her and I'm going to sell the babies and I'm going to pay back my syndicate. And I did barely, but I did. I paid back my syndicate. Okay. How old are you at this point? I want to know. It was all around the same time. This was all around that sort of getting married, finishing grad school. 25, 30. How old are you at this point? Probably 26, 26. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Jamaica was in my life. Um, and she's amazing. I had three babies with her. I still have her son, Denali. He is going to be 12 this year, which is crazy. And so I did breed her. I sold her to Phillies. Um, one run the U S finals actually a couple years ago. That was really awesome. Yeah. As a breeder to see her baby win. It was amazing. And, um, Denali, her son that I had was kind of a lemon. He must've gotten hurt as a little one. but he has found a person and she's awesome and she leases him and they have a great time and I love it, but I don't ride him anymore. It's kind of, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. You know, he had gotten hurt. He had some hind leg suspensory issues. You know, and And then it's such a tricky deal too, to to get one mare, to organize a syndicate, to get one mare and actually successfully breed three foals. I mean, I don't think people understand uh, um, that, most small breeders don't actually make it because the numbers are against you. Oh yeah. They might not take, something could happen in the womb, something could happen when they're born, something could happen for the years it takes them before you sell them. I mean, there's, there's so many opportunities for failure so that that is your credit to, to actually at 26, organize a syndicate, know the horse, get Mm -hmm. the horse, breed the horse for three years, pay your syndicate back. That's amazing. You know? Yeah, it was great. It was great. And, and, and around the same time, um, 
So uh, Jamaica got hurt and, and I bred her. And then um, I had an opportunity for the horse that of my lifetime to this point, uh, Gooberg's Casper came into my life. And also uh, Suzanne Dansby Phelps owned him. I had tried him uh, and he hadn't sold. And she called me back and said, you rode him the best. I think it's your horse. So uh, again, I organized a syndicate and we purchased him. And uh, the deal was, and this this was a hard deal. This was hard. My sister and I are very close, but this was a really difficult thing. Um, the deal was my sister got him for a year and, and I would secretly, I would give him so many treats. He was so spoiled because I wanted him to love me more, <laughs> but that was the deal was my sister. Cause my sister wrote, you know, and still helps me to this day. She was here this morning. Um, you know, she was on her young rider path and, and she had had an amazing young rider horse that had died. It was so sad. And uh, the deal was she also hadn't had a gold medal and that was the deal. So my sister had him for a year and then I got him and then proceeded. He, that was the horse that sort of made my career uh, and changed my life. He uh, won several CDIs. He was invited to the masters, the five-star, um, you know, I did the test event here with him and he was amazing. And fi he finished fourth at the national championships at um, Grand Prix. So really a horse of a lifetime for me. And uh, this was sort of around this time. And uh, so he was pretty amazing. So he took us on a ride that I didn't see coming, but it was amazing. That's, that's really amazing. And you know, you, people don't think I think or appreciate you know, how difficult it is for a good rider to find a good horse to compete at that level. You know, I mean, it's, it's so hard. It's really hard. There's so many factors and the, and the whole idea, uh, there's a lot of horses, I mean, that are syndicated, right? I mean, a lot of these riders. No. Oh. oh my gosh. Yeah. There, honestly, the, the horse, you know, Big Mike, follow me yeah. when we do the, the shirt rides on. Big Mike is syndicated. I, I am a huge fan of syndicates because I feel like it's a way to include a lot of people. It just depends on how you, how you structure your syndicate, but it's not a huge, typically it depends on the horse and how much you put in and how much everyone puts in uh, on a young horse. It's not that much money, you know, typically it's a lot of money for one person. It's not as much money for three or four or five horse people for right. one horse. Right. And um, you know, uh, there's a really good website experience dressage.com where they can help you. That's, uh, it was developed by USCF owners task force to help riders obtain horses. And it's a great, I didn't, I didn't work through them. I, I kind of knew how to do it. Uh, and it's great. It's, it's the best way to do it and, and that I found. Well, then you have a team, you have a team of supporters right. that want to see everything you to be successful and right. want to support you. And they're going to be there for you and they're going to cheer you on yeah. and they're going to, you know, yeah. be a shoulder when things aren't so great and be yeah. your best cheerleader when things are going awesome. And um, yeah. so, so it's really, really interesting, but I'm just still impressed that, at, you know, how you're able to like, but that's your economy back, you know, your economics background and that sort of yeah. thing. I'm sure. Right. That you put all of that together to create these syndicates for these horses. It's really impressive. You know, like I said, I, all I know from you is like that one, the couple of times I've met you and then horse radio network interviews. And so this yeah. is amazing to me to, that's why I wanted to interview mm -hmm. you because I wanted to know, I knew there was more to Reese than what I knew. Um, <laughs> right. It's really, really cool. It just makes me smile. So, okay. So, so you had your horse of a lifetime and then when did you, mm -hmm. or maybe during that time you started teaching? I mean, cause you teach and train. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it was funny because after I finished grad school, it was that kind of, you know, and you look back in life and you're like, I could have done multiple things. I had a, a good friend that was at Ford in Michigan, Michigan, love Michigan. Love you guys. My brother lives there. It's a great state. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and he had kind of said, Hey, do you want to come work for Ford? And my husband was, uh, my husband's in software. He's not into horses. So he, we were managing his career and what he was doing and- and he was managing a project in Canada and, you know, just a lot was going on. And I thought, you know, let me see if I can do this horse thing and see if I can make it work. And uh, at least I think we all go into this knowing we're not going to be rich doing this, but we live a pretty cool lifestyle and we're able to live the life we wanted to. So right around this time, um, my husband also, we had, a, we had a house in town that we had bought and, and kind of fixed up and um, my husband's like, I'm kind of ready for a change, you know? And then my parents decided that, that they were ready for it. My dad was ready for a change. My mom would have stayed on our family farm forever. And um, so right around that time, it became pretty clear that my parents were going to sell the farm and what were we going to do with my horses? So I started a farm, <laughs> the farm where you came. Yeah, We've been open 10 years. Yep. So that was 2010. It opened uh, literally right before the WAG in 2010. And I have all kinds of crazy stories. If anyone ever wants to talk about starting a farm, I gotcha. Um, and, well, you probably, uh, it's probably you by the property because you know, the market was crashing in 2008. So it couldn't have had to be around the, that. Right. It's 2007. Yeah. So we bought the prop, you know, we got married in 2006 and, and, and bought the, the land and then, yeah, then the market crashed. So we had to kind of wait and then we would picnic out here and, and I got to know my neighbors cause I paid them to, to do hay on the field and you know, the whole deal. And then we really took a long time to plan. Um, and initially I did not have an indoor arena. That was an, an addition after the fact, um, when I was here for the winter and it snowed all winter and I had to leave. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh, I got to have an indoor because again, I, I you know, the indoor in the winter and it is not fun. If it's not snowing, it's ice storms. And if it's not ice storms, it's a million percent humidity and cold. Yeah, it's off. Exactly. I guess that's it. So I was like, all right, I'm out. I can't. Uh, we, so I was able later to, to start the indoor. So uh, yeah, we started a farm and I've learned a ton about owning a farm uh, I'm not farming. I, I mean, I have an agricultural background, so, you know, I can run it, but I, you know, honestly, I don't like, um, I look at your flowers and think, I wish I could do flowers. Mine die. I just don't. Oh, my vegetable garden is just a situation. Like I can't. I, you're not like that with horses. Oh no, my horses are great. I should just let them mow it or something. I'm terrible. But, um, you know, again, I wanted care for my horses and for my business and I wanted to be able to control that. And I didn't feel, especially at the time, even now, like Lexington's a hard place to find boarding, which is strange. Uh, well, because because there's a lot of fun. It, it's a hard town because it's focus is mostly racing and breeding. And so it's, you know, the show side, the boarding side, the, the you know, the, that's a very different deal. And, and, you know, Middleburg, no problem, but Lexington, no problem. Right. It's, a, it's a very different. No, it's changed. It has changed since the WEG. That was the one thing the WEG brought to Kentucky was the horse park, you know, they put in, I think, 80 million, 84 million into the horse park and they really upped the game there. So yep. that kind of changed the hunter jumper circuit here. And, and I happen to be right around the horse park, about 10, 15 minute ring, uh, which is where our farm is, uh, just by luck, um, started to be sport horse farms. 
So the farm behind me became, it's now a sport horse farm. The farm on the other side of us is, is a hunter jumper farm, big time hunter jumpers, like team riders. Um, so yeah, so our little corner of the world is quite fun. You know, it's like, wow, you know, Kent Farrington's next door. I can tell when he comes because he, he's not here all the time. But when he comes, the jumps are like over the standards. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Ken's here. Um, yeah, so, it, so, and that was just amazing during the WEG. We had such a cool experience. Um, the U.S. team actually based, the dressage team based out of here. And, oh, nice. Um, yeah, which was awesome. And uh, that was fantastic. We had the alternate, Catherine Haddad was the alternate that year. And she was based here the whole time, which was cool. And um, yeah, and then the New Zealand, and um, we also had uh, some para teams here. It was great. And, uh, but that really changed the landscape in Kentucky. And people now were like, oh, you know, you ride dressage. Oh, I saw that at the WAG. You know, that changed things a lot. So that was right around the time. Again, I, I started the farm and, and, and I went with the business model of full training. And that was not heard of here in Lexington. Yeah. And I said, well, people are like, it's not going to work. And I was like, well, if it doesn't work, I'll change it. Um, I'll pivot, whatever I need to but, do. And, but a good opportunity, know. the right timing with WEG coming in and people recognizing, you know, riding horses for pleasure as opposed to just for business is a real, is a possibility in Kentucky, which is fabulous. Yeah. It's really fabulous. Yeah. So it's kind of right place at the right time, which yeah. is good. So you built a barn and then of course you yep. were doing training and teaching. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I love to teach. So I, I really, I, I really enjoy, I mean, I love to ride as well, but if I had to ride every horse in the barn versus teach, I, I would actually ride my own horses and teach my rest, my people. Oh. And uh, so, yeah, I love to teach. And um, you know, I like learning new things, which is why you and I get along so well. <laughs> I know we get along. <laughs> Yes. I mean, you brought in the Franklin ball system and how those work. And I can't wait to get together again and get more techniques. And, and I think like anything, um, and I tell this to young people too, uh, you know, this is our profession and, and I come from a medical family and my dad and mom are always doing continuing education things. And I try to do the same thing. I try to learn new methods and do better things for my students and, Along this time, actually, we've been doing the podcast eight, almost eight years. Oh, yeah. So we got to get into that. Yeah. Because I'm very, yeah. So all all this sort of happened around the same time, funny enough. Um, You know, as I look back at timing and uh, Casper happened and then that kind of changed my career. And then I started a farm and um, I met Philip. So at the time, uh, my current coach and, and mentor, Scott Hassler, was hosting the Young Dressage Horse Trainers Conference. And this, was, this event went on for 10 years. And this is a, another sort of life-changing event where we would go to Maryland and, uh, and trainers, you know, at horse shows, we're not going to get together. It's just, it's just too much going on. And this was where we all flew in for three or four days and we talked about training, but there was also built-in social time of where we would oh, eat, wow. eat together. Yeah, we would eat together, dinner, and you know, and so there was a lot of time to get to know people, and that's where I met Philip, who oh, so, has become so one of my. So he came down to friends. Scott Hassler's in Maryland to train, at the same time. Yes, so I think there were forty trainers who had to submit um, an application. You couldn't just come; like you had to submit an application. And Philip and I and Lauren Ball Tisdale from Cleveland, we went to all ten of them. 
so we became really good friends. And I, I think that was one of the pivotal, um, for sure, as I was a young trainer, something that happened, which, um, you know, I have dear, dear friends that came out of that program and Philip being, being the poster child. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there are events that happen in our life and I can think of a few events in my life where there's a coalescing of minds. You know, we, we get together yeah. for some kind of reason and, um, yep. I still have friends. I did a thing in Holland in 1998. It was called Natural yeah. Switch Days. Yeah. And Sally Swift flew in, but she was just there to observe. And I did all the teaching. And I still have friends from that. And I taught all yeah. over Europe as a result of that. And so there are these moments in our lives where, you know, it's that catalytic, catalytic moment. And it sort of sets us onto yep. courses that we could never dream of. We could never yep. imagine where we were going to wind up 10 years from there, you know, and it sounds like that. was Yeah. Yeah. It was one of them. And you know, another one was, um, I was sitting, I was a young writer. So this is kind of going back. I was 18 and I just come back from Germany, I guess I'm 19. And I was at a clinic with Mr. Schumacher and someone came up to my mom and said, you know, does Reese teach clinics? And my mom was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have never taught a clinic. I was like, Oh my God. My mom's like, get on the plane. You're fine. Get. And it was so cute because I went and taught this clinic for years and I would go once a month and I mean, I was a well-behaved college kid, you know, I was like, oh my gosh. And that started. And so I always tell people like, get on the plane, answer the email, you know, sign up for, um, I did another just random one. It was called the Kentucky Ag Leadership Program. Not really anything to do with horses. There was one other who's beca- she's become a dear friend, horse girl, and uh, we went all over the world. Literally, we went to South Africa. We wow. and it was another one of those leadership groups where just sign up, just do it. You never know, you know who you'll meet. And I have great guys. If I need hay, I got a ready source of hay. I just call my boys and I'm like, hey guys, you know I need some hay. The guys are like, I'll drive it to Florida. Well, I. Got- <laughs> Well, and you know, I think that's one of the things that that um, that I have found is that so many people just want to look inside their little horse box, right? And they just want to look inside their little circle and not be willing to look outside. And one of the things that, again, I think we have in common. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if if we're like soul sisters or something. Because I think we are too. I, was I know. I'm like, that's right, so like crazy because I <laughs> I always try to go and learn something outside of horses, right? So that I can be the student again and understand what it's like to be the student. And one of the things I did was I went to um, this workshop called Explain Pain. It was actually in Maryland uh, or near Baltimore. Um, And it was by a guy named David Butler from Australia. But, you know, so many of my riders that I work with have pain. And so I was sitting there and there's all these doctors and nurses and physical therapists. And I'm like, I'm the riding instructor. Yeah, but it's huge. really, really helpful and helpful in understanding my students. So there's so often that we can go outside of our box and gather a little yep. piece or see something from a completely or learn a new technique or another idea of teaching mm-hmm. and bring it back in. And it enriches our lives and our students. And, you know, mm-hmm. so that's what I think is we're so similar in that idea of not being afraid to go and explore something different. Um, right. And I wish so yeah, many you gotta get people would would understand that it's it's so important to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit into a place that it's maybe slightly uncomfortable maybe really uncomfortable yeah. Um, really uncomfortable yeah but the value in that stretch is so important to yeah. 
what you really want to do, whether sometimes it's what you don't want to do. Okay. That's fine. That's a right. lesson right. learned. I'm okay. never going to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not doing but that. So yeah. often there are really positive things that happen. And, um, and that's one of the things, okay, we got to get to horse radio network, but before I get there, yes. you are this incredibly bubbly person. And it's just, you know, I'm either your family is all really bubbly or you're unique among your siblings or we are really soul sisters. <laughs> yeah, I think we're so, I think we're soul sisters. Mother, what is it? You have a different mother for, I don't know. Sister yeah, from a different brother from another know. mother. Yeah. <laughs> I am um, my, uh, no, my mom's pretty bubbly. Um, both my parents are, are very, very good professionals. Um, I am actually not a morning person. I am not. My barn does not open till eight because between seven and eight, I feed the horse. I literally like, stumble outside in my jammies and feed the horses. And that's like how I start the day. And I like stumble to make a cup of coffee. Um, I'm a night person. So it's really hard <laughs> to get up early. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know. I just, I wouldn't, it might, in Germany, I had to ride, ride, be on the horse at 630 on. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah because the time zone change on top of that would just kill you it'd be like oh yeah <laughs> well i mean i live there so it wasn't so yeah, bad. i mean the first day your biological clock doesn't always figure that out you know <laughs> so, it was so dark it was dark it was dark till like 10 i was i tell you what i was uh so i'm actually my husband's the only one he just doesn't really talk to me and i don't really talk to him and it's fine but by eight o'clock i've got my smiles on and i'm ready to go if i'm grumpy get out of the way. Like, and I'll tell people, I'm like, I'm grumpy. Get out of my way. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I mean, you know, I think like anything, I get to play with ponies all day. Like my job is pretty amazing. And I've created a, and, and I love the quote. It's like, create a life you don't have to vacation from. And oh, I've never that heard quote. that one before. I love that. I'm going to yeah. put that. Create. Yes. Create a life. And I, I, I don't know who said it. Somebody really, but I, I still need a vacation every once in a while, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but, um, but still, no, I agree with you because, I mean, that's, you know, I've been traveling and teaching for years, and yes, you get tired of the airplanes and the travel part, but, yeah. I, you know, I love what I do, and, um, and so I created a life doing what I yep. do and love to do and do really well, right? Yeah. And yep. um, that's one of the things about the pandemic that I think, yes, it's a hardship. Yes, there's, a, you know people are getting sick and people are dying but at the same time you know the world has stopped moving in its habitual way and it's an opportunity for us to be able to take a moment of introspection and quiet ourselves and figure out am i really doing what i want to do for the rest of my life right and i think that that's so important to have that moment of reevaluation time and to be able oh, to really dive into that question and make sure because you know what you only get one life Right. That's and so true. Know, it's important to do something you really are passionate about. And what I find is that if you're really passionate about it, you will find like you, you will find a way, make a syndicate, get a barn, whatever you find a way find because it. the passion you drives you and you That's don't true. worry about the hours and the time and everything else. And yes, there's setbacks. I, I can't tell you how many times I wanted to quit teaching writing, especially yeah. if one of my students got hurt, even if it wasn't my fault. Right. That, that is the ultimate thing for me. That's like, I'm going to quit, <laughs> you know, but I think that's any career, right? Like I'll never forget, you know, I, I don't know. It was a particular, I don't remember the time. And my husband and I try to walk the farm in the evening. It's so pretty. And I remember walking, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I, we got to sell this place. I'm out. I cannot run a farm. 
I don't want to be, uh. and he looked at me and he goes, do you realize what a cool place you've created here? And I was like, all right, what? <laughs> you know, you, you, you look at like the tractor broke, though they kicked another fence board, uh, you know, uh, uh, uh. and my husband's like, you've created an amazing community through what you've done and a place where people can come and they can learn. And there have been people that haven't learned well here, or I don't teach well, or, I mean, it's not like it's perfect all the time. And it's not 100% of the people, hundred percent of the time. Right. And we have to stay true to ourselves. Yeah. And, and I agree. Cause when I, when the pandemic started, we came home from Florida. Um, yeah, you were down there just a while trying to get back. I was. Yeah, we were, we were kind of stuck because we had to wait for the transport and get on the, you know, so we were there and then we came home and I shut the barn down um, and I was doing all the work myself and I forgot, I remember why I was so skinny in the <laughs> um, because I was doing all the work and, and, and I mean, from cooking and cleaning, my husband had started a company. It's a whole nother story, but it's, yeah. it's good now, but literally he started a company the day the global pandemic was declared. And so it was just, it was really stressful. Again, it was like, yes. oh my gosh, where, where are we? Like deja like vu, we right? <laughs> yes. It's like we started the place again. I didn't have any help. I, you know, there's not much money coming in, you know, you're like, oh my God. So, but once my students started coming back, I was like, I get so much energy from my students and being able, and, and that we could provide a really cool place for them to come and it was safe and I still believe teaching writing and what we've done here is safe and we can do it in a good way we figured out just you know like I don't hand my headsets anymore I just teach from my voice old school so there's no you know but the way my you know how the farm is set up here when the people come in they they can they go right to the indoor they tack up at their trailer um only the the students that are i only have uh, three or four that are here in the main barn so we decided kind of all of us we're a pod you know we're all socially distancing and we're all being safe and so we could keep the barn open awesome. and uh, it's been great so you know you realize that and and you know i knew that i i had gone on a couple of years ago to do the, my usdf fei certified instructor exam which i'm a huge if people I, and I know you feel this way too, you know, certifications are important. They're not perfect, right. um, but it's a system we have here in America. And um, I'm so glad to be an FEI certified instructor. That was hard. It's like a PhD exam like, again, um, but it was, a, I'm glad that I did it and I would keep kind of pushing that program as much as I can. So. Yeah. So, so how did you get hooked up with horse radio network? Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is another like push you into the plane, you know? Um, so I had, I, Glenn and I can't remember exactly where we met. Actually, Jennifer, I did a, a lecture um, for Alltech did sort of a horse and bruise or something where you would go. And that happens here in Lexington where they have little events where all the time, like the horse group gets together. And I did one of those. And I think it was on breeding and kind of talking about my breeding experience, which is small, <laughs> but, and it didn't last long. I'm not going to lie. Cause I couldn't, couldn't make it make money. So, uh, I think Jennifer heard me talk there and she came up and introduced herself. And said, you know, we have this people who Jennifer is. Oh, sorry. Jennifer is Glenn's wife, who is also a co-owner of the horse radio network. So, and then right after that, I had gone to equine affair and I did a lecture, uh, 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 you know, one of those big arenas, big stadium type 
um, demos. And so I, I did that and Glenn came up to me after and said, would you come on the show? Uh, it wasn't the dressage show at the time, um, on one of his shows and do a segment. And I said, sure. So that's what started it. So, uh, then the, the dressage radio, uh, the, the person in front of me, they parted ways and Glenn called me and said, Hey, will you do this? I said, I'll do it for three months. Like that's all I, that's all I got. Wait a second. Three months. Three months. Yeah. So I'm still doing three months. <laughs> Let's see, what year was so, that when you started three months? Yeah, exactly. And um, it, it became the first month I was kind of looking for a co-host and trying to find someone. It became pretty apparent that I needed um, a male voice. It just helps. You don't have to have a male voice, but we decided it would be good. So I thought of Philip because uh, I had met him at that conference and I called him up and I said, hey, do you want to maybe do this? And, and he has a great like, voice. He has a great, great voice. But if you listen, you should, you would go back and listen to his first one. It was so bad. We almost, <laughs> we almost didn't have him stay. <laughs> but what happened is, I don't know, I can say this in the webinar. Uh, we told him, we're like, have a drink. Like, calm down. <laughs> he was so nervous. <laughs> so for the first year, I think Philip was probably half intoxicated. <laughs> I probably was too. Um, and, uh, <laughs> The secrets, so the secrets behind the dressage hour. Yep. Now we get to find out. Yes. Yes. Here we are. And so the, um, I, I, you know, I'd have to pull the stats. You probably know the stats better than I do on our show, but we have oh, around 20,000, 20,000 downloads every, every, um, every show, which is quite a lot actually. And yeah. um, we have a great, and, and I will say actually during the pandemic, I actually started listening to podcasts myself because I was doing all the work in the farm and my husband was so busy with his new business. And I was like, I need people. <laughs> so I started, <laughs> I started listening to podcasts, not about horses. I started actually listening to business podcasts so I could sort of have something interesting to add to my husband's conversation. And so I really found some podcasts I like and NPR has some great ones for business and, and what was happening in the world and how we handle things from a business perspective. So I started listening to those. And I said to Philip, I said, I think we really need to um, really, really focus on community of the Horse Radio Network, of, of the Dressage Radio Show. And he said, I agree. So we really, we, we upped the ante. We did some longer shows. That was on purpose, absolutely. We um, did a workout with Nicholas Smith, uh, who does dressage rider training. So we did a 12-week workout. We, had, we upped the book club. Yeah, we have the book club. We did one book a month. Um, and truly, and then we actually got a new producer, uh, Paul. You've met Paul. He's so oh, yeah. cute. He's in England. Nothing to do with horses. But, you know, it really became this community of like, Paul, how are things going in England? Phil, how are things going in Canada? What's happening here? Uh, so I look forward to Thursday nights now. Yeah, and that's I mean, the, the beauty. Because you record on Thursday, but the show airs. Saturday. Uh, it Saturday. comes out Saturday. Right. Um, it goes from us to the editors. And I don't, I actually, um, once, it, once it sort of leaves us, I, that's the last time I see it. Right. Until it goes out. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of that because my life keeps spinning on and I've got more, more things to do. But um, it, yeah, it's, it is really, I can't tell you how many people are uh, like have emailed me and gone, I heard you on Horse Radio News Network. Yeah. Why do I want to call it news? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but on the Dressage Hour and, you know, like, I was so surprised to have people email me and thank me for being on the show. And I was like, yeah. 
you know, because I come on and, you know, a lot of things in my life is it's kind of busy. And so I do the show and then I go on and do something else and, yeah. you know, and then yeah. I come back. Um, but it was really amazing. And so, you know, one of the shows, and I have to thank you guys, because one of the shows I said, you know, I need some help. Yeah. <laughs> I got like five people contacting me and going, what, you know, yeah. And I've hired two of them. And so, it, no kidding. <laughs> I have, yes, I've hired two of them, right? Um, the, and so they're working for me. They're helping me with social media. They're helping me with uh, my, my um, with Surefoot. And so, you know, I mean, I've benefited from the show in many ways, not only in yeah. friendship, because I just, I just yeah. enjoy so much getting to talk to you guys every, every month, yeah, it's true. Um, but also it's true. in my business and also in just being able to connect with the larger community. It's just, it's really great. Right. Yeah. I love it. Oh, we got a special guest. Oh, can you see my dog? Not yet. Annie, Annie has just got, woken up. Oh, hi, Annie. Annie. Hey, uh, Annie. That's Annie. Yeah. She's my, she's an older lady and she, she loves, um, she likes the radio show. She comes, she's here all the time. She comes in for the show and she, so I think she thinks we're doing the radio show. Oh, she, she so is this where you me. record the radio show is in your, ta is that your tap? Yep, this is it. Isn't there a little office here? Yeah, I can, office. I can it's awesome. around. Got oh, you've got everywhere. Wall and ribbons. It's great. <laughs> it's great. So they call us, um, you know, I, I don't do any technical. I just hit Skype and it magically happens. I, I don't even really know much that happens. We have a producer. Yeah, no, and, it's great because yeah. I just do that too, right? We just Skype in and we do the show. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and away it goes and, uh, and it's a yeah. blast. And so it's just really, it's, I'm going to have to get Glenn on one of these because I'd love to kind of talk yeah. to him about, how, you know, how he created Horse Radio Network and, and it's grown. I mean, so... So I can remember meeting Glenn like a million years ago at an expo and they were just yeah. starting out and, um, right. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to even think what year that was, but it's really, really grown and the course community's really embraced it. And, you know, I know people all the time that go, Oh yeah, I, I listen to horse radio network all the time, you know, and it's really, really simple. Well, I think it's because of the medium. You know, you can put the phone in your pocket or in your jacket and you can do your stalls. And, you know, I've had people, you know, I'm at a horse show and I, I know the look now and they're like, and I'm like, hey, it's your, like, oh, I knew it. I knew your voice. And that's really, the first time it happened, I was like, Phil, you know, <laughs> and then, but, you know, again, it's another example in my life of, um, you know, do it. Uh, you know, I mean, we've gone to World Cups. We were supposed to go to the World Cup, and um, we have gone to two World Equestrian Games over the horse. You know, we went to uh, Tryon. We've been to Kentucky. Uh, you know, just all the things. I, I am a huge. It's, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. But you know, who knew? Uh, who knew I'd be a podcast host? And and um, you know, we talked about. I, I teach a class at the University of Kentucky. Oh now. yeah, that's right. Um, too. So how? Yeah. How, what class do you teach at, at UK? My alma mater. Yeah, it's called actually global sport horse industry and uh we start monday so i'm I, when you said how's zoom going i was like i need to work on my zoom oh perfect <laughs> so i'm working on zoom yeah i'm working on zoom because i'm gonna have to be you in uh monday which really gives me a little anxiety um I really make my husband i was like you have got to schedule that you're right here at five o'clock on monday when i have to start this class um but you know, again, it was the same kind of thing. I was on the board for the university, uh, the ag program, and 
it was very thoroughbred focused. And as things have become more support horsey here in Lexington, they said, we need, we need a class. Will you teach it? I was like, Oh boy. (laughs) And I had no idea what it meant to teach a college class. Um, But because I had a master's degree, that sort of, you can't teach at the university unless you have a master's. So um, now I don't have a PhD and I've around a PhD, but we're, we're, we're waiting on that for a little while. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I'm a little busy for a PhD. Well, that's where I was. I got my master's at UK and I was going to get my PhD in equine biomechanics, either looking at the horse's spine or navicular when I had my life changed and said, I want to be outside the four cement walls and actually do applied biomechanics. So that's yeah. what I do. Yeah, exactly. So, but you know, high enough that I can teach and um, I have 32 students in the equine. Wow. Mostly seniors. Um, so I'm sort of the like last stop before they're uh, heading to their own businesses or on their way. But that's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, I'm like you, I, I can't sit still, but I will say, and I tell this to all my kids that want to be, um, you cannot survive in the horse industry if you don't have side hustles. I'm, I'm a huge believer in that because, and I learned this as, um, you know, when, when half my income really went down, when um, I couldn't teach. Right. And actually Mr. You know, Mr. Schumacher had said this, he had come to talk to my business class and I, I had emailed him not that long ago to check and see how he was doing. And with the pandemic. And I said, you gave me the best advice. And that is every business should have a three prong approach to revenue. So oh. three prongs. So if one prong gets cut off, which it, did. I mean, who would have ever thought that our, the state of Kentucky would shut down riding lessons, but we were closed down. So three prong approach. So when that stopped, I still had the radio show. I still had, um, you know, I, I'm on staff now. I start teaching in the fall. Um, and, and so I still had revenue and I, I think that one hit us all very hard. And so I tell my girls that are in the horse world, clip, braid, find some to house it, uh, find things where you're making extra money and you're putting that money away. And um, so That's this is one really of my side hustles. You know, and I, for me, I was uh, fortunate enough that, you know, Surefoot has been growing and growing. And so when the pandemic hit, I basically, I just started doing these webinars and, you know, I really started them for a lot, my own self, you know, like interest in that I was curious to talk to people that I knew they were all home now, right? I mean, that's yeah. the thing is you can't connect yeah, to their home because they're so busy and, um, and in different right. places. But with the pandemic, they were home. And so I got to talk to a lot of people that I had. And I, and I have some great guests lined up for the rest of this month, by the yeah. way, because my 100th webinar is going to hit uh, this month. Girl, I, I don't know how you're doing it. And all your spare time. Wonderful guest coming up for my 100th webinar. I'm really excited about it. Um, so, you know, and I have some pretty pretty good guests before that too. So, you know, I bet it's, you do. I it's bet you do. great. And it's so much fun to provide people with an education, but have it entertaining. And that's, you know, like it's not, I don't want them all to be like strict science, which is why I, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as a guest, because I knew that you were a creative person and you would have really interesting things to tell the audience and you do. And this is such good advice. Well, I hope it was creative. Oh, but the whole idea of, of having three things, right? That's, I mean, if nothing else, that's such a nugget to get out of this webinar because that's what I did. As I had, I lost the writing, right? 
And yep. so I had yep. Surefoot and then I created, uh, I've been working on some other projects, um, my online courses, mm -hmm. actually, they've been doing great. So cool. And so, yep. um, yeah, so when it hit, because I remember in 2008, actually, when I was on safari in Kenya and it crashed on my birthday, which is coming up. And when we left, yeah. got back to Nairobi, we found out that some of our guest bank was closed. And, you know, we went from there, we were going back to the UK, um, Brad and I, for a couple of days vacay. Well, there was no vacay because all you're thinking about is, what are we going to do? Right? What are we going to do? And it was, yeah. it was super, super stressful. So that's when I started to diversify a bit more and, um, right. but, and Surefoot came along obviously in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just been, and people can do that on their own. And that's what you've been doing with Big Mike. Yes. And choosing the show. Yes, that's what I've been doing with Big Mike. I know. And, and actually, Big Bingo, my, I have a fantastic new horse. I, oh. I actually am very, very lucky. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think I've told you. But I have a new Grand Prix horse. And his name is Bingo. And um, I have a very, very wonderful sponsor who has been with me for 10 years. And uh, she uh, acquired, she owned this horse, but she decided that I would get the ride on him. So oh, wow. again, during COVID, yeah, he came over in May. He was, he's been here now. He's like, he's lived here. He's like, yeah, this is my people. And uh, he's pretty phenomenal. So uh, we've but been playing with the shirt. Oh, oh, yeah. Because I, I haven't seen him. You he's haven't so told me about Bingo. Really? Oh gosh. Well, I can't. You know, I, again, it, there's been so much going on that that I can't. Um, I kind of did what you did. Too. Yeah. yeah, I know, and I kind of did what you did too. I also started a, an online lesson program, um, which uh, I, you know, I haven't gone crazy because because, but I have it, and, and it's a great. I have a process now for everybody. If you wanted an online lesson, um, and I like it because we review a video together, and I think that's important because we talk about theory. And it, it's not a, it's not, it, it, we sit down at the computer somewhere quiet and we can actually talk about some stuff. And I found that to be actually really cool versus awesome. a lot. I haven't done live ones, but the, it works great. So yeah, but yeah, video, same, because same in video, you can actually stop action and you can go back and review and see the setup that caused right. whatever happened. And so, you, you know, it's like a lot of times in my webinars when I'm showing a video like of a horse on surefoot pads, I'll stop it and then I'll just scrub it slowly. And suddenly things that you didn't see the first time around become so obvious just from changing the perspective. And I, and again, exactly. I think that's what it's all about is that when we change our perspective, when we refocus our lens, we really get to see that there's, there's a lot more going on than we thought and a lot more opportunity than we realized. Right. Oh, it's so true. And, and that's, I think with horses, I think that's, you know, with all of it and, and with people, you know, when I tell them like, oh, they're like, for example, Florida, I could never go to Florida. Well, let's talk about it. Maybe, maybe you can find a way to go to Florida and maybe it, maybe, maybe muck and stalls at 4am, but if you want to do it, there's probably a way to do it. Yeah. You know, for example, we were talking about Florida and, and like, are we going to go? What's going to happen? And yeah, because this was stuff, the first so. year you went to Florida, right? No, no. I've been going for about about 20 years. Oh, okay. Know, I missed that. <laughs> Do over. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've been going. Um, cause again, that's where everything kind of happens. That is where everything and happens I, I, in the wintertime. And we'll just, have to it's see just what happens yeah. this year. Who knows? I know. I know. Uh, you've been to my little farm that I rent. Uh, I have a great it's lady so I rent from cute. and it, it's so cute and, and we feel very safe there. So, uh, we're, we're planning on going, um, 
Well, you could, I can see where you could easily socially distance where you are. It's, it's a nice quiet little corner of the world and you've got an arena and a barn right there and it's awesome. Yeah. And I live right there. So we're able to, again, it depends on the situation and where you're going and it's not a big barn. So we're planning on business as usual and and going down there. And, um, but again, that's, we were able to work together with the surefoot pads. I did the mounted, which we did not do you know, I was able to do a mounted, which was really cool. I, I, I have not gotten done a ton of the mounted ones because, um, I think I need a little more training. I feel it would feel more comfortable doing a few more sessions with you. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to get together. But, we'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll film it. I know we'll film them. Big Mike's really good about it. Like he, he's pretty good on them now. And, um, he doesn't fuss around as he used to like, I was like, just stand on the pads. And now he's like, okay, he's much better. Yeah. Well, that's that whole so, um, um, finding his ground. And that was the thing that you said about him the most yeah. was that he didn't have good proprioception and he didn't really sense the ground really well. And so it's awesome to hear that that's really gotten better. It's really great. Yeah, it has. And he just did his first pre-St. George uh, in June. I uh, had a 60, almost a 69% and came back again and did the developing pre-St. George and had a, he's, he's like the first alternate for festival. So he had a 69.48, which was pretty cool on his first go. So I was really pleased. cool. Mm-hmm. And he's a big dude. You know, he can still I go. Know, he is a big dude. <laughs> he is. He's, got, he's got bigger. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, quit feeding that boy. <laughs> well, Reese, this has been absolutely just a blast. I have so enjoyed, I hope everybody else has enjoyed this because this is so much so. fun for me to really get to know you more. I mean, like, I love um, it. and find out, you know, just how incredible you have done in shaping your life to be your dream. And, um, and, you know, I just have to congratulate you on, on just what you've accomplished. Um, I know you're younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's, it's been fun. And, and like I tell people, it's possible. You can do it. You can, yep. you, can, you can make the life you want. You just have to sometimes get on the plane or jump or do it. And that's the hardest part. Right. Sure. You have to trust. You have to just trust that you're yep. going to find your wings and fly. Yep. And you will. And, and let me tell you, you'll, you'll figure it out. Yep. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So everybody, just remember, you can see this in all of the webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. And tomorrow, my guest is Laura Plunkett. We're going to talk about working with shutdown horses and what you can do to help get them out of their shell. Um, Reese, this has been such a pleasure. I've just, you know, like I said, I feel like we're sisters <laughs> from another mother. And um, so true. And- so looking forward to uh, our next time on, on the dressage hour and just let Glenn know, I'll be calling him to have him. Come I will. On. I'll tell him. Okay. I will. I'll tell him. Awesome. All right. Okay. Bye. Mindy. Thanks. Bye. Thanks everybody. See you tomorrow.